podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk Liverpool. It's a somewhat dismal, drizzly day. Uh, we'd like the summer to spool out a little bit longer. It's doing its very best to let us down. More on the weather when we talk to Josh from Liverpool Loves in a little <laughs> while. Uh, but before then, we are going to talk about the Reds. I've also got Paul Dehaney in, and we're going to have a chat to him about Spurs. They've done even less business than Liverpool, so if you need your mind putting at rest, Dehaney will help. Uh, that is coming after 7 o'clock. I'm also joined by Charlotte Campbell, and we're going to be speaking to Stephen Scheller about the Roto Fantasy League that he does from over in the United States and how it's better than any of the others, though I will always say that Fantasy League is not for everybody. However, the Liverpool situation and how long, still nothing happens on the main target. Still, Coutinho feels like a thing. Um, Charlotte, we haven't spoken to you much across the summer, so it's at least a fresh voice discussing this. It's fair to say that Liverpool, the Liverpool manager, the one thing he's been... The one thing they've been collectively is very, very focused. There's two footballers that they want. They're prepared to pay a lot, of, a lot of money for them, and still we wait, and still they look as though they're trying to force these deals through. Yeah, it's madness. I mean, well, I wanted Van Dijk before the summer anyway. I didn't think we stood a chance. I'd never, admittedly, I'd never seen Kaita in my life. Now I've, I've watched. I think I've only watched one YouTube. It's what, but what a YouTube it is. But, <laughs> we've all watched but that YouTube. He is the player of my dreams. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, if if we don't have Kaita, we've got nothing. Uh, yeah, I know. If it feels like a weird one, I don't even understand uh, the money anymore, and it doesn't matter to me. I don't really care. Pay eighty, hundred million, because it it's all irrelevant. I mean, everyone's got that sort of money, so it's a strange one. I don't know if it is just that they're not going to sell. I think there comes a tipping point, and it feels like it's probably around seventy-five million on Kaita. Yeah. And I, and I don't think it feels that far away. I think Van Dyke will get done. It just feels sort of like you can't turn back from that now. Um, I, John, my personal cut-off point, uh, and this shows the, the sway I have over Liverpool's transfer dealings, my personal cut-off point was probably this week uh, with reference to the idea that there's this, there's this massive training camp that's going on. They're all working very hard, riding bikes, jumping into pools. It uh, looks a bit like a version of centre parks. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they are, you know, it, it's clear that that's where the manager's putting all of his work in for the, for the season to come. And those camps are happening for a number of different sides right now. And I thought by this point, Klopp would have broken. Um, you know, we hear lots about his own impatience and his feeling that he'll sort it on the training ground and yet he's done the opposite uh, it's tons and tons and tons and tons of patience from Liverpool uh, there isn't uh, alternatives being linked yet uh, and so you just sort of think that there must be a confidence there they're going to pull at least one of these two deals off Yeah I think so I I thought I was looking at the Germany trip as well and, and thinking you know do the is, is this what is this where they need to be having it done by? And, and but Jürgen just seems so relaxed about it. Or you wonder whether it's because of the positions that the player is in as well. It's a, if it, I think it was a, if it was a forward, I think he's so specific about what he wants to do. He's already talked about the fact that Mohamed Salah doesn't defend properly, which must be lovely for Mohamed Salah to hear. So like, what on earth is this? If this fella going to have me doing? Does he want to show me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what I'd be saying. So what, what I'm sure he is. But you know, but I think I think for you know for. for for Jürgen's teams, it's all it's you know a lot of it's about passages of play, a lot of it's about what you do off the ball, and I'm not saying that other teams you know are, are so wildly different, but I think for a for a centre half, maybe he's a little bit more relaxed, and maybe he's thinking, well, how much pressing is this fella really going to do? You know, I want yeah. I want him stood there heading stuff away, to be honest, and and so I think I think maybe for Van Dijk, that's why they're a little bit more relaxed about 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 doing it kind of later in the window, and they understand because of everything that what happened. Cater, I mean, I'm sure he'd I'm sure he'd want him in, but maybe. You know, he just looks so perfect for the Premier League and so perfect for this side that maybe he's he's not quite as worried about that as well. And also, what you've got to remember is that Jürgen, I think we could we can we can obsess over the, that first game of the season, whereas Klopp might be thinking, you know what, if I don't really use him until October, that's fine. 
and and I think we can I think you know as 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 football fans we can think oh yeah we want him out there we want him we want him out there against Watford oh he's going to be absolutely brilliant straight away and I think football managers do think about it slightly differently and and he'll be thinking about a long season lots of games and you know it, it might because we were sound at the start of last season. Well, this is. I want to come to Paul Dehaney on this because we're going to get Paul to talk about Tottenham at, at the end of the show. But also, it sort of was an ongoing thing in that there's lots of talk about Tottenham's lack of transfer business, and let's talk about Liverpool as well. Is there a problem that we forget what our football teams do really quickly? So, for instance, last season Spurs got 86 points. They won 11 of the last 12 games. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Liverpool sorry. started last season absolutely flying, played some of the best football Liverpool have played since 13-14. And if you take 13-14 out, the best football they've played since 2009. Are we just guilty at times of 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 if you've got really good players? And I think, but if we had Liverpool and Tottenham managers both here, they'd say we've got really good players. Are we guilty of sort of forgetting how good our really good players are, and therefore how hard it is to actually buy people to improve on them? Exactly that. I mean, if we look at uh, us, us for instance, we've managed to keep hold of Deli Ali, Harry Kane, Eric Dyer, Alderweireld, um, Vertonghen, yeah. as well as the, the you know. Dembele and uh, Wanyama and these sorts of players. I mean, there isn't much weakness in our in our first team. In fact, I'd go as far as to say, if everyone's fit, we've got a fantastic first team. And then also, we've got players that are coming back from injury, like Danny Rose and, and Lamella and these sorts of players. So I don't think what if you look at it, not just from Spurs' point of view, but from your point of view as well. If you feel as a manager that you've got a good squad that's improving and you can see improvement moving forward. And then you can also look at your youth academy and you can see a few players that could be coming in there yeah. and, and stepping up to the level. Why are you going to go out and spend 20, 30, 40 million on players that are just going to essentially be squad players that you're going to call upon them and they're not going to be ready to play anyway because they haven't played all season? I just feel that in Klopp and Pochettino, they're, they're a bit more confident with, with what they got. And I think that... So is this the price of being good? I think that if you're a, a manager that is famed for development of players, then you're confident with, with your lot. I think when I, what I've seen with um, with particularly Mourinho and uh, Pep Guardiola is that they're good managers, but they need to have, in from what it seems like, and history has shown this, they need to have the very, very best players in order to complete their project. Whereas our two managers seem to be able to get the best out of players who might be playing for another manager and not play as well. Do you see what I mean? So I think they've got a lot more confidence in the development. And I think that's not just the managers, but the clubs as well. Go on. Well, I'm all in for development, I agree. Um, And I'm I'm happy to see players like Trent coming through. But Klopp, while he's confident with his team, and while we did look good at times last season, he was making murmurings throughout the season that he was light on players. And that was without Europe. So there's no point standing still. I think that's also what it is. It feels like you're standing still. And even though I'm looking at the players Everton have signed, and I'm not, you know, I'm not envious of them, and, and I don't think any of them would get into our eleven. No, none of them can sprint. Yeah, <laughs> they demonstrated that last night. Last night, yeah. But I'm not envious of them. But it is that panic when you see them building up. You know, he signed him. He signed him. Yeah. And, I'd and say that if no one. you know Everton, Man United, for instance, finished 17 points behind us last season. 17 points, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, let's go through it. Uh, you know, City finished eight points behind us. Hughes, 9, 10. Oh, 10, okay. 11, <laughs> Arsenal, 6, 17. You know, Everton going into the 20 odds. Now, 
from my point of view, everyone's saying, "Oh, if you, you know, this is this is not your, this is not Liverpool." This is from Tottenham's point of view, everyone's saying, "Oh, if you don't spend, you're going to stand still." But hang on a minute, we're not we're we're not the ones that are playing catch up, are we? The last this isn't this isn't a flash in the pan. This is the last two seasons we've finished above nearly everyone yeah. over those two. You know, I, I don't really see the panic. Uh, people panicking more than what we are. I think Charlotte on that. That this is the. I think it's more. I wonder whether or not I, th- I don't think Liverpool should stand still. I think Liverpool should be should be looking to move forward. I, but it's more that moving forward becomes harder than, for instance, and I hope we buy this player. But you know, if if the window ended now and the only other addition was Alex Oxlade Chamberlain on top of what we already have, you could say well we are stronger, but it doesn't feel like a great stride forward. And as I say, I think he's a good player. Whereas I think it becomes difficult, doesn't it? And this is what we're seeing to make that great stride forward. Eighth to fourth is is an easier stride, an easier improvement than fourth to first where the, the the improvement in the football just becomes more incremental yeah I think Salah's also a bigger stride forward than oh, yeah. Plug and play. oh yeah he looked mm. absolute all pre-season he's looked great and I think because it was done quite quite early and because the price isn't madness I mean 30 what is it 35 in, the, in this transfer window that's nothing I mean that is that's a mid-tier player in the Premier League but uh, I think he is a massive addition five million more than Michael Keane yeah, I think I think he he's a huge addition and a massive improvement on us next season. And he, he is he is what we were missing, but yeah, it. I just think we stumbled towards fourth last season, and it now we feel safe because we were fourth and it was fine. But we it was very touch and go towards the end. We could have been fifth, sixth easily. So I think that's why that's why the panic, and that's why it's different to Spurs because yeah, yeah. Spurs kept that you're continually improving, but Liverpool did did stumble towards yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. I definitely think that um, the. Defense, you know, if you could get uh, my man from Van Dyke from um, from Southampton, that would be an unbelievable buy. Um, I, I don't know where you're at with that, whether it seems like it's going to happen or not. Um, John, John's looking. <laughs> John's looking. Everyone's staring at John, looking for some answers. Come on, John. well, the latest is. I mean, I don't know. I think I think people's kind of expected to be done, and I think I think there's there's a kind of happy medium between kind of what what we're talking about in terms of continuity and also. You know the idea that, that, that you you definitely need to spend, and I kind of under, under, understand all, all all the points on it. I'm trying to understand all kind of all the points on it, but I think there was there were certain things that you looked at last season that we definitely needed to do, and I think that's kind of what Charlotte's talking about is that you know there's already good talking about continuity and developing players, but there was just obvious gaps, and one of them was the the pace when Marnie went, and that's why I agree that Salah's such an important signing. But I think I think a centre half as well. I think that would be one that worried me if we if we didn't go in with with one. More more centre half. Ideally, it'd be Van Dyke, just because I think you looked at the the average points when 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 you could get Lovin and Matt upon the pitch and looked at the average points when you couldn't, and it was a you know it was the similar drop off to, to to the Marnie one. And so I think you know it's it's all about you know making sure that there isn't a, you know a huge drop in in, in standards when what when one of your centre halves is out. And so I think if they they need to make a decision on on Van Dijk at some point, and they look confident that they're going to get him, and so well good for them. And, and you know they know more about these these things and this current situation than I do. But I think that's one that would worry me. I think I think all the others. I think even Kaita, who who I, I'm, I'm in love with as well. Even even him. I think you know you could you could make an argument not yeah. to take a step down. I'd rather I think, go in with a centre back than yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, just quickly as well, the other thing about continuity, John, is that you've got to keep continuity, i.e. the Coutinho link. This is where, you know, if 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 there is going to be continuity for Liverpool, what that one of the things that means is that you 
even though I think you can make an argument around you can make a what I would phrase a Rafa Benitez argument around selling Coutinho and buying one or two other players and all of that sort of stuff. You can do that, but you can't do that while you voice and whilst the manager goes out of his way and whilst whenever anyone of the hierarchy of the club speaks, they do mention the importance of that continuity. Yeah, and it's 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 absolutely vital that that, that they keep him for, for for lots of different reasons, and I think. I think he's he's just such a leader in the team in in terms of how they all look up to him as well. I think I think it just deflates everyone if he, if he did go as well. I think he's so key to our play because because the the other players make him too make him and I don't think necessarily the plan was always to do that you know but they, they just always look to give it to Coutinho if they can and I think he's become so vital to, to, to kind of how we play especially when, when the chips are down and especially when we need him you know he's the one who rises up he's the one who his teammates look to I think you would not quite have to start again if he didn't have Coutinho because of course he misses games and, and you know we, 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 we get by but I think it would be a few players would be looking around in the squad and thinking what now or, or you know you know, starting to you know, I thought the the interviews that the guys did with Jurgen Klopp were exceptional out in um, yeah. Considering they only got fifteen minutes each with him out in Glen and Mel, uh, Hong Kong. Yeah, I thought the I thought the, the way they did was great in in very different ways as well, which was which was fantastic. But the thing where, where he was um, one of the things that came out of it was confidence and how he installs, how he tries to not not just install but repeat this idea of confidence into them and how sometimes players can listen to the wrong people and can listen to people saying, Oh, everything's gonna be awful and he's saying to them, No, people no like us. Yeah, people like idiots like us. Uh, and and he's and he's saying, No, no, you're brilliant and you're brilliant and how and how players can can be can be t- heads can be turned by kind of crisis talk from elsewhere and and so based on all that I think, you know, he'd he'd have a big job to do, I think, if Coutinho would left for quite a few members of the squad to to Reinforce the belief to them that they can go on and achieve what what we want to this season. I, I'm I'm still kind of miffed about this uh, mystique that the media's created with Real Madrid and Barcelona, almost as if if they come calling, you've got to leave. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, but you know, in, I remember in the 80s and 90s. When Barcelona and Real Madrid were crap, <laughs> no, honestly, well, that sounds really weird. The Barcelona won their second European Cup in about '92, didn't they? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. there were periods in that time where you know the way you see with Milan now, who were just starting to come back from sort yeah. of out of the doldrums, you know. But it's almost like we create this mystique about Real Madrid and Barcelona with our media, and it's like, oh, you know, they are winning those European cups as well. They're doing all right. I'm not saying that. It's not only that, but they every single time Barcelona have got a transfer thing. It's not. It's why people are equating the Coutinho thing with the Kaita thing. It's just it's completely different. They use the media to lowball every club. It's like a yeah. It's like a six month media campaign yeah. where players are cut stuff. Oh, we'd love Fabregas at our club. Oh, Fabregas would really fit in in our club. Okay, ten million. Is, is that, that's the difference whereas we go in with mad money for Kaita that's why it's different mm. firstly I don't think Coutinho's going anywhere I think it's a nothing he, there's no chance Klopp lets him go he let players has there been an actual bid yeah there's been a there's been a bid 70, is that possibly confirmed by Liverpool yeah, there's been, well there's, it seems like it seems All clear the enough there's been a bid yeah there's been a bid million. 70 million quid okay. but First, he's not going anywhere. I think as far as all the reliable journalists have said, he's happy, he's fine, he's not going to kick up a fuss. Klopp has proven that he will let sit, he will let players sit on that bench and burn out their contract rather than let them go. He did it, what, with Lewandowski? He let, he let him burn yeah. out his contract. I don't think he'll go anywhere. And not only does I, do I think that it would 
it, it's a bad thing in, ter- in footballing terms because he's one of our best players. But even then, like I, I watched, I watched games where Coutinho is not the best player on the pitch. But selling him represents something, and it represents that you are then a selling club. Getting new signings in, I think that becomes a lot harder. That you've let your star player go again. You're at the bottom of the pile again. Emre Chan's then looking at it, thinking, "Am I signing a new contract?" Could he, could he I do. F- gone? I do think the Champions League thing has a, has a, you know, a bearing on him staying. Really, Where, you know, I think if you weren't in the Champions League, I could see a, an argument yeah. for him going. But he's been working to get into the Champions League with Liverpool, yeah. and it'd be strange if he turns around and says, "Oh, right, I'm going to leave now." Now, you know, I think he's at least going to stay for the next season. This is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. After the break, we'll be having a chat about Liverpool loves. Welcome back. It is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Uh, in front of me now, I've got Paul Zahaney, John Gibbons and Josh from Liverpool Loves. We will be talking to Paul about Spurs after 7 o'clock. But we're going to have a chat about Liverpool's exciting City Centre Festival. Uh, going to be with you next weekend. Firstly, uh, Josh, um, the weather. Are you optimistic? It's always sunny. I mean, <laughs> Liverpool Loves is always sunny. Yes, we've got a weather witch in the office, so uh, we're doing sun dances all week this week. But to be honest with you, you're not supposed to talk about the uh, the weather, so uh, I'll let you off this time. Is that a thing? Is it? <laughs> it is, yeah. uh, well, we've got Paul Dehaney with us, as we know in the past did Africa OEA, and he got the weather of the gods this year on Africa OEA. Uh, I don't know who he paid off for that one, but he managed to pull it out, pull it out the bag. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, was so, our, it was our 25th anniversary. We deserved it. You deserved it. You deserved <laughs> it coming. Just start, I mean, having a pair of you here really to talk about it. But Josh, first and foremost, it's it's a pretty. It's now the third year that you've been doing it, and it's. It's growing and growing. It's remarkably exciting. I had a, I had a great time last year. I'm not just saying that because you're here. Uh, I had a great time last year. I had a really good day down on the front, and yeah. you want you know that I think that's more than it. It says it's called Liverpool loves the vibe of the festival. To me, does appear to very much be the idea that you want as many people as possible just to have a great time. That might seem a bit simplistic, but it is sort of what you're about. Definitely, it's a feel good festival. You know, um, the reason why we created this is because we love our city. We're from the city, um, and we're proud to be from Liverpool. I think really. The, the whole nature of Liverpool loves is a showcase of the best of life in Liverpool. Um, you know, we we chose a couple of themes in year one, business, culture, food, well-being, and really it's a platform for independent businesses, emerging artists, for, um, you know, anyone and everyone to get involved and really showcase what they do. Yeah, it's I, I love it. It's fantastic. I've kind of been been involved, <laughs> I guess I guess you call it, um, since since the start. And I think the first year, uh, the guys obviously took a punt on it, and it was it was funny because you're asking kind of bands to get involved with something that they don't really know too much about, and you know you're kind of pulling in favours and stuff like that. Whereas now, kind of most bands I know in the city are asking to get involved, and you have to kind of let people down really or, or kind of pick and choose which is which is a bit trickier but it's that just shows kind of how much f- fun the bands have enjoy it, you know enjoying themselves playing and it's just got a really nice vibe about it i it's a really nice weekend one i look kind of look forward to now and i only come at it from a, a music point of view obviously but as i say all the bands last year kind of you hung around all day and that's a really good sign as well whereas you know, you obviously, you know, if bands are doing gigs and stuff, they'll they'll try and get there as late as they can, and then often leg it. But loads of the bands just kind of hung around, supported the other ones, and just kind of enjoyed the vibe of what was going on. So that's a really good sign as well. So I think, I think the weather helps. 
Yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to talk about that. You told me off. You told me off, and you're not. You know what I mean? On, on. Just before we get back onto the music, we'll come onto that towards the end. Josh, we'll talk about what else is going on because that's the thing. It's not just music focused. It is about sort of getting people understanding what's going on in the city centre. Yeah. Well, I mean, normally we have a, a business event that comes as part of the festival weekend. We've moved that back this year. Um, it served as like the sort of launch of the festival two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, it's like a, a, a sort of SME conference seminars, networking events, opportunities for people to come together. And share ideas and push the city forward um, but for the main festival it, it is really a big public celebration so first year it was tw- 27,000 people on the pier head last year it was 40,000 people and to see it grow it's just really exciting you know um, and you know it's a mayor- mayoral-backed initiative it's supported by the city council we've had lots of really good involvement and again because it's a platform you know people like John and yourselves and um, you know the guide Liverpool Liverpool Soul Festival also involved in this year's main stage program. Um, again, all the artists, you know, it's it, it is that platform. Aside from the, the music element, you know, food and drink is obviously there because you know you need something to eat and drink on the day, and it's all part of the uh, the experience. But the sort of difference with the festival this year is because it's moved sites from the Pierhead and into Liverpool One. It's a little bit of a unique thing, really. It's, you know, it's not being done before. It's a bit of a first. It's on. It's happening on uh, Shivas Park. Uh, there's going to be a second stage at the bottom of the steps. Really. On Thomas Day's Way, next to the Hilton. Um, that's called the Culture Box Stage. It is a sort of. Um, it's 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 something that has happened before on previous editions of the festival, and that's more of a sort of community focused stage. Um, we've got uh, a range of international performances from we've got African drummers uh, we've got uh, the Chinese community are doing um, traditional traditional Chinese dance and music uh, there's choirs there's um, a project that we're delivering for communities which is getting young people out of North Liverpool who are in social isolation to come together and um, sh- share a, a sort of collective arts experience and they're going to perform at the festival so it really is a community focused thing it's for the people by the people and it's a celebration of liverpool and the big the big thing is the music you've got booked and all that sort of stuff lined up it's it's as strong a lineup as you'd have if not if not stronger to be honest with you definitely i mean obviously you know we're the organizers and we don't do all the work people like john people like um you know the the guys Kelly and Tony from Soulfest really have put together a brilliant lineup this year. So obviously, again, previous editions of the festival being over one day. This year it's over two days: Saturday yeah. and Sunday, fifth and sixth of August. And the main stage is located in Derby Square, where mm-hmm. the, where the courts are. So it's a nice little, um, you know, unique environment. Nice little sort of stretch between there and Shivas Park. Nice gaps, nice walking between, and good for the local industries as well, the bars, the restaurants, etc. That are sitting there. Definitely, it's bringing business into the city. Yeah, you know, the, uh, it's been brilliant down on the pier head. Um, there's other things happening in the city now. Things do change, so we're looking towards what we might, you know, this event might be in the future. Um, we want to expand into the city centre. It needs to be that go-to date where people come from outside of the city into Liverpool to experience what we're all about. And again, it's that platform for people to get involved. The the, the program itself on on the main stage is brilliant. On on the, on Saturday, we've got Robert Vincent headlining for uh, the guide Liverpool uh, with Pixie, Delfina Kings, Sub Blues, brilliant urban artist. Um, and the Soulfest aspect looks terrific. Yeah, Soulfest is brilliant. Cherry V is the headliner for Soulfest. She's coming up from London, but we've got some brilliant local artists like Milo Tain and Raheem Alamin. Really, really good artists. You know, I, I'm a dance music fan personally, and when I uh, going through all the you know the artist forms and everything else, 
and we're picking who we're going to have on the festival. I'm really surprised about and inspired by all of the amazing talent that we've got in the city. And again, that's what this this festival serves to 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 to, to showcase. And it says here that the uh, the Sunday uh, was curated by John Gibbons, younger from Comer, hardworking, handsome. Oh, used to be. Uh, how, how excited are you, John? What have you got lined up? Yeah, dead excited. I love it. Um, so it was, as I say, it was it was more difficult for me in terms of in terms of who to who to leave out really, but. Um, in sort of no particular order, well, the order I've got in front of me, so I don't forget anyone. Uh, Edgar Jones, which is boss, uh, Natalie McCool, who's uh, obviously been on the rider as well as we featured a lot, and then loads of really exciting bands in the area, up and coming especially, uh, Red Rum Club, uh, The Shipbuilders, Stillia, Boston Shakers, The Protagonists, The Rackets, Owls, and Joshua Hall. And so, all local, all really exciting, all doing well and set to do even better so I'm kind of made up to they've all agreed to do it and it's very varied it's going to be kind of you know something for everyone on that Sunday so we're really pleased with it and very entertainment as well being the key um, and the main thing let's just go back through the details it is across uh, Shavas Park one end to the other uh, from the Hilton through to the Crown Court it is on Saturday the 5th and Sunday the 6th of August it does have all those fantastic artists that have been mentioned there is all the other stuff going on why wouldn't you go down Josh? Don't know it's free <laughs> and there's not? a heat wave that weekend and there's a heat wave that weekend Dehaney's boxed it he's got the ability I'll hold him to that yeah yeah you don't argue with him he sorts this stuff out uh, at a professional level he can call favours in uh, Liverpool loves listen Josh thank you so much for coming in uh, Liverpool loves I'll say it again the 5th and the 6th uh, from 11am on the 6th and from uh, 12 noon on the 5th uh, all the stuff that's going on there across those main stages and what you've got down by the Hilton as well uh, everything that you need this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk always good to support things like Liverpool loves after the break we'll be having a little chat about fantasy football of all things and speaking to Paul Dehaney about the fact that Spurs have bought even fewer people than Liverpool don't go anywhere It is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson, Paul Dehaney, John Gibbons, Charlotte Campbell. I'm joined now by Stephen Scheller, who runs the fantasy football roto game that we love to play uh, here on the Anfield Wrap. Not everyone, uh, but then fantasy football doesn't have to be for everyone. But what I would say is that if it is for you, then this is the best way you can do it. Um, before I come on to Stephen, as I'm talking up his game uh, and perhaps embarrassing him slightly, uh, we had a lot of fun last year, didn't we? <laughs> we did, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of frustration as well. I'm not saying it was all, you know, no fun and games. Uh, there was there was there was arguments. Uh, there was internal battles. There was crisis of confidence in my camp. So you know, <laughs> if you if you if if you want something to dip into for five minutes a week and just pick your team, then it's then, not this. No, it's not this. If you want something to all consume your life, make you hate your friends, um, despise football as you aren't doing the business for you, and suddenly get very interested in things like net tackles, then yeah, dive in. Uh, that's all very fair, isn't it, Paul? Paul Dehaney, <laughs> you, you got very into internet tackles. Michael Keane became your favourite ever footballer. Oh, I discovered Michael Keane. I, res- <laughs> I resurrected his career and everything. He got a move to Everton all on the back of me. Um, but yeah. What I love about this game is that I was explaining to Charlotte before unsung people like you know Danny Drinkwater and Michael Keane, these sort of characters that get you no points at all on other games, um, get you tons of points on this games, and uh, and just makes it it's it's more for the football connoisseur. You know, if you're going to play this game as 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 
people were alluding to earlier, don't think about having a normal life at the weekend because um, it will dominate. Uh, um, but yeah, it, suddenly, yeah, two o'clock on a Saturday when the teams are announced is the most important time of your week. Definitely. No, <laughs> no shadow about that, Stephen. I mean, you, you, there was a few bumps last season whilst you were launching it and we were all working through them together. But now it's you're in good shape and you're looking forward to it this year. Is that fair, mate? Yeah, I think so. I, uh, you know, it, it. I used to look forward to the start of the Premier League season, and um, now it's like the most stressful time of my life, <laughs> um, getting uh, very few hours of sleep. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, we're um, we're working through a bunch of stuff still. We're still kind of connecting a few things here and there, but um, it's going to be running a lot smoother, a lot faster this year, um, and uh, a lot of new features. And um, yeah. some really exciting stuff. I mean, just so. just 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 to talk about sort of the genesis of it for you was was the idea that you know, and I know that Paul plays uh, plays NFL draft stuff. That that fantasy football in the United States, partially given the nature of the way in which the sport develops statistically, that the the main American sports, it was much more detailed, much more intense. Whereas this, you you were looking at sort of a, a, a conventional sort of fantasy footballs in the around the UK and around the game, and you were thinking that it just wasn't just wasn't up to up to what you were used to. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the, the, the draft selection is, is the biggest issue, um, but then also trying to figure out a gameplay that um, adds value. Um, you know, like Paul was saying, to, uh, to the Michael Keynes, to the Davis. I mean, he's kind of famous like a hero to teams that yep. picked him up last year. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, there's, um, there's a scoring system in the fantasy baseball that we kind of adapted to um, um, – the fantasy premier league and that's the category style scoring so um and it really works well because you know scoring in football is um is generally you know pretty low you don't get many um seven mils um and so we wanted to come up with a game that you know would uh you know create a higher probability of a draw um, and also reward players that don't uh, end up on the score sheet um all that often so that's how we came up with the category scoring and and it's important to say that you know people can't have the same players because of the draft system that you play against your friends that you play against um, you play against people you're in a league with that it's it's uh, it's adversarial rather than just the accumulation of points, Steve. And it's very much you know you 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 can tailor your tactics for a given weekend up against the, the the manager you've got. So if you come up against someone and they've got Aguero and Lukaku up front and you've got no good strikers, well you 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 have to try and find other ways to win. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I, when, we do offer point scoring, which is kind of the more traditional way, and we allow you to customize your scoring so that you can, um, you know, you can make tackles worth, you know, a point and a goal worth four points if you want, so that, you know, you will get uh, a deeper player pool and value from guys who aren't traditionally high scores. But with the categories, you know, I mean, I say it, and it's maybe a little snooty, but I say, you know, some people like trackers and some people like chess. Um, and <laughs> this is definitely more on the chess side of things. Um, yeah, I mean, I love checkers too, don't get me wrong. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you can, you can see what your opponents are going to be playing. I mean, depending on who's going to be in the lineup each week, you know, even if you do have Aguero and Lukaku, you know, one might be injured or one might be yeah. sitting because of the Champions League or something. And so then 
yeah, you don't have to get, retool your lineup and you know maybe crowd the midfield. Yeah, don't get don't get me started on the uh, the variants that, that 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 Champions League football and squad rotation could throw into this this season, Steve. And I've got uh, I've got lists and reams and sheets and fixture lists, and and I can tell you for a fact that you know I would you know I, for instance I know that uh, Bournemouth and Brighton's fixtures alternate for the first eight games. Anyway, uh, as to who's at home and who's away. Uh, anyway, uh, I've got all that stuff written down. It is it is very very involved, and I think it's worth pointing out that it's very very involved. But at the Anfield rap because we're we're, we're fans of this, we're. Uh, we're doing something with it this year so what we're doing is that you can join uh, our league if you'd like to and on our tour player uh, thing we'll be doing um, weekly approximately weekly shows we might miss the odd one here and there but approximately weekly shows about the update of our uh, contributors division Uh, me and Paul Dehaney are in the same division Uh, Charlotte and John are in the same division and Charlotte's new to this are you intimidated by this yet? you're alright aren't you? I just (laughs) I feel like I'm going to be I'm going to massively misunderstand the whole thing how do the European fixtures work? In. What's this? They, they don't work in, but you'd have to obviously wonder if, like, for instance, they might your your, your Premier League game they might drop a player that you expect them to play right, okay. because because of because of European commitments. So don't Pep, worry about Pep that. Pep Guardiola was a nuisance last year for, any, for anyone who had Rotation. Man City players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Suddenly he's um, suddenly he's dropping someone boss because he's got a Champions League game midweek and people weren't happy. Yeah, it was hard work. So you know that that's the way in which it works. But you'll all be fine. Uh, you'll all enjoy yeah, it. Paul it. Paul's backing himself at twelve to one in our league. Yeah, why not? I mean, the <laughs> OE Spurs. <laughs> I think that uh, my advice to you, Charlotte, would be this year to to to, to learn the game this year. Okay. You know, put the work in. Put the work in, learn the game, and then you know next year go for the title. It is meant okay. to be fun. It doesn't have to sound like a job. Uh, that we are achieving. It is a here. job, and it's not a game. It's very serious. Are we, put, are we putting any money on? We're not going to put money on. I don't think. We, I think it's so serious. We don't need to put money on. Okay. The winner gets to win. I think is the uh, is the main thing. That I reckon we should at least have a trophy of, of Champions League proportions. You know, those really big trophies. Let me work on that. Ca- carry. I've done badly by not listening to the show. Who won it last year? Uh, I, the top division was won by Stu Wright. Uh, mildly controversial. Division two was. There's only two divisions this year. There was three last year. Division two was won by me, so I've been promoted to Division one. Uh, hung on in there, three points in the end. Uh, and Division three was won by uh, Sean Walsh in the office, who's very good at things, isn't he? Walsh is yeah, good yeah, at just, things. Sean Walsh wins stuff. So he's he's gone up to Division two. So he's in your <laughs> league this year. Um, so if you want to come and be part of this uh, it, with other uh, Anfield rap listeners, if you go to Roto Premier League, all one word R O T O Roto Premier League dot com, and then you confirm your email. Yeah, when you hit the join league button, you enter the code T A W, and you'll be automatically sorted into a league with other uh, Anfield rap contributors and listeners uh, because I've got three teams now uh, broken up down into 12 team divisions and once one league fills up another one's created etc etc so you sign up at the same time as your mates if you want but just get everyone playing because there's nothing better than a late win uh, and if you've got any issues they're at RotoPL at RotoPL on the Twitter so all of that's coming and Stephen you're excited I think I think you're thinking that this is the year where people really get to grips with this new way of playing this game yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, like I said, people can play in the more traditional ways with points, but I'm a strong advocate for the category scoring. I just think it, it, uh, it adapts to the Premier League um, so much better. Um, and, uh, and we've made, we've yeah, made, we've made, we've done. We've made this. We've made it quite straightforward, haven't we, for the uh, for the listeners? It's it's not quite as as in depth as our leagues. Uh, you have insisted to me that we don't absolutely batter them with detail year one, so it isn't quite as intense, isn't it? Yeah, it'll be a little. It'll be it's a slightly simpler scoring system for the um, for the public league that we've created. Um, and I uh, I also we, we've done um, a lot of it, a lot of work in terms of documentation um, and help and that sort of thing. So check out the blog that's on the site. It'll run down 
kind of next steps and how to coordinate, uh, you know, draft date and time with their league as well as scoring. And um, we've got a bunch of uh, player rankings and stuff like that up there. So that should help uh, all the newbies out. Massively so, uh, and also on the Anfield app Facebook subscriber group, I've done a sort of a set of questions with my suggested answers. I'll I'll show Charlotte later on, indeed, and we can go through all that sort of stuff. I might even give you, you know what? Might even give you sight of my spreadsheets if you play your cards. Charlotte's going to win the league next year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 all be, we'll all be sorry we helped her. Yeah, uh, indeed. Uh, listen, huge thank you to Stephen. We'll have him back on doing further shows. We'll also Facebook Live at least one of the drafts or the start of one of the drafts. We intend to do that for you as well. Uh, that'll be available, and I'll be making sure making clear our randomised orders as well soon this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk we're going to talk about Tottenham just after this it is back with the Anfield Rap always good to speak to Stephen uh, but now we're going to have a chat about Tottenham Hotspur we've got Paul Dehaney in to talk about this we, I think we'll have covered all of Liverpool's rivals once you're done Paul and I've been sort of hanging off because I've been thinking well you know back to what we were discussing earlier on I expect Spurs to buy someone I expect Spurs to buy someone it's, it, it just doesn't seem like it's an urgent thing and I think that, that there's a, I think there's a number of people I've seen Rory Smith's mentioned it and there's a number of people for which it does feel like a little bit of an antidote uh, to the situation but the one thing I would say is last season I thought Spurs struggled a little bit to deal with the Champions League mm-hmm. and that'd be my worry I think there's a new, a numerous positives and it's worth saying that when everyone's fit Spurs have got a really good first 11 mm-hmm. a really good first 18 but what was noticeable last season what ended up probably costing Spurs getting get breaking ninety points was that first half of the season when first they, they didn't progress in the Champions League out of the group stage and secondly they were finding the weekends after those games pretty hard. Mm, yeah, but we still got eighty six points and eighty six points wins the league. Of points. Yeah, it's a great number most, of points. Most seasons, so I, I don't really put it down to that. I put it down to Chelsea having an unbelievable run in that period. But don't you want to also have a good Champions League run? You do, but. I don't think we're at that stage at the moment where we can sort of say, right, we're going to go for the Champions League and the league. You know, I don't even think we're in the stage where really, if you took out the last two seasons, I would probably said you were mad if if you were saying we were going to be going for the league moving forward. Yeah. So we almost like, we, we are ahead of ourselves, but now we're in that position. I'm not going to start saying, oh, let's go backwards or let's move. We, obviously, we want to yeah. stay where we are or move forward. The Champions League, to me, is is a bonus at the moment, you know. Yes, we do want to get to... I definitely want to get out of the group stages this year. Yep. But more than anything, I want a few glamorous ties, you know, because since we've been back in the Champions League, there hasn't been that Real Madrid or my friends Barcelona or, you know, Bayern frauds. or any of... Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, those frauds. Um, they, it, it, you know, there's not been that kind of a... Eye-catching ties. So I'd, I'd like that more than anything. But I don't see it as... I, I still see the league as the bread and butter. And I still see the Champions League as something I'm happy to be involved in. Or we are happy to be involved in. But it's not the be-all and end-all. Is there a general vibe? I mean, you mentioned 86 points. But more than that, I think, you know, in that run-in, that last sort of 12 games where 11 were won. Is there a general vibe that a few, two or three, two or three lads who needed to sort of proved themselves as being more than capable of contributing to this squad. So I'm thinking about uh, I'm thinking about Son, I'm thinking about Ben Davis, who for instance had a torrid time at Anfield, mm-hmm. but then is is plays left back or left wing back in a side that goes on and has that run. Mm-hmm. So he's you know he can't be a mug. Mm-hmm. You know, he must be a good player. Mm-hmm. Um that there's a couple of others, Dembele Trippier. finished the season strongly, Trippier. Mm-hmm. That there's the, that sort of four or five players either reasserted their quality like Dembele mm-hmm. or for the first time looked as though they can genuinely contribute. And is that why you think Pochettino's relaxed? Well but what worried me about the t- 
previous two seasons that Pochettino was in charge was we tailed off towards the end of the season in both seasons. Um, yeah. And that, you know, around Christmas time last year, I think, in, in fact, when you guys beat us 2-0, if you are, the general consensus was Liverpool would go on and I think you were one point behind us at yeah. that point. you just come out of a bad period. And the general consensus was Spurs wouldn't really have the legs to get through the rest of the season. People like City, Liverpool, we'll even Arsenal would past. find a way to get past Even United at the time. But the, the opposite happened. We actually got better and we actually pulled away from everybody. And I'm not saying that's going to happen again. But what I'm saying is we seem to have sort of got over that hurdle of, you know, we, we seem to be able to get through a whole season now. I think the key thing is this season is getting points on the board early before the Champions League starts because... We drew a lot of games in that early part of the season that had we already got those points in the bag, then maybe the Champions League period. And also you've got to take into account is all our main rivals are going to be playing in Europe, whether it be Champions League or even worse, Europa League. You know, likes of Arsenal are going to be Europa League, Everton probably, and all the, 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 the other usual suspects. So everyone's got to go through that problem. What difference do you think playing at Wembley is going to do to you this year? If you listen to everybody outside of Tottenham, they'll tell you it's definitely going to make a difference and we're definitely not going to win one game at home. At <laughs> I think um, Daniel Levy made a real good masterstroke by playing at Wembley last season in the Champions League because what that means, is, I'd probably be a bit more, I'd be filled with more trepidation if we'd not played at Wembley at all and then all of a sudden we're just starting from scratch. But because we've already bedded in and played those games and, and actually we got better as the season, you know, stats will tell you differently and, and mm-hmm. reporters will. But in the last three games at Wembley, we should have beat Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-final. We should have beat Ghent. We were down to 10 men for the half of the, half of the game and we beat Siska. So it's not really as bad as what people paint it out to be. I actually think that... Um, also, bringing in other players, if you think about it, not only would they have to get used to Tottenham, but they'd have to get used to playing at Wembley as well. So maybe that's in their minds that they want to keep players that are used to have been playing on that big pitch. The one, the, one, the one thing that worries me a little bit, would worry me, is more... And I think it's something that, for instance, Liverpool suffer with. I think that the London sides have got to have, have always had a strange issue with, for instance, there being so many London derbies. Uh, my only concern on the Wembley thing is suddenly, I'll use them as an example... Uh, Burnley are coming to Wembley, and it's you know if you're if you're a Burnley player, this could be the only chance in your career you ever get to play at Wembley, and so that that sort of unnameable uh, you know untouchable ten percent that we could just imagine, you know that a player might just sort of think, well, I've got to grasp this moment and this opportunity. That but then I suppose there's a there's a flip side. I'd counter that, that and say overawed. I'd say I counter that, and you know Tottenham are a very very fit side, probably one of if not the fittest side yep. in the Premier League. 65 minutes at Wembley Stadium on a massive pitch, a Burnley or a Bournemouth or yeah. a, a, a Huddersfield, these sorts of, you know, even West Ham, you know, loads of teams are not going to really be up for playing on a massive pitch, you know, for 90 minutes, uh, running their guts out. So, it, it, you know, it, it's one of those where I couldn't say one way or the other. People seem to be definitely, oh, Spurs are playing at Wembley, that's it, they've got no chance. I'm more of the mind of, Good players get used to playing wherever they need to play. And then they get used to it and everyone will moan that it's an unfair advantage. Mate, I said it last season. I guarantee you, if Spurs do well, by Christmas time, people say, oh, well, 
the FA Cup finals at, at yeah, Wembley and Spurs him in the same. It's an unfair. <laughs> you know, come on, man. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> no, seriously, though, I, I really do think that could become an issue if we'd start doing well. And then Chelsea might be banned from playing at Wembley in the future when they when they need to play with. Is there, a, is there you know, we, we talked about playing it cool on the transfer front. You can want to play it cool, but you must also yourself be thinking, you wouldn't mind a player like this, you wouldn't mind a player like that. Is there anyone who's in your mind as someone you'd like to see, you'd like to see Spurs I, get I think... Here? The Ross Barkley thing excites me because I, I think I was saying to you guys earlier, there's no way we're going to pay 50 million for someone that's got one year left on their contract. But if he comes available for 25 to 30 million, he's the sort of player I think Pochettino gets hold of, makes him a fitter player. Uh, and, and, you know, he's quite intelligent anyway. He's got more intelligence than people give him credit for. And I just think he needs uh, the right manager and, and a change of environment. And if that's at Tottenham, I'd be happy to, to go along that. But alternatively, if we don't get him... I'm not going to lose any sleep. What you got to remember with Tottenham fans, we sold Gareth Bale for close to 100 million, um, you know, five years back or whatever it was. And we spent most of that money on players. And really, I think Ericsson and Lamella are the only two that are left. I think we got to a stage as supporters in that point of how many years are we going to keep buying players who essentially don't really want to play for Tottenham. They want to play in the Premier League and then they'll, they'll make their, their name at Tottenham and like the, the likes of Anatovic with Stoke now going on to West Ham, they want to make their name at a bigger club. I think now we're at a stage where we'd rather develop, I said it earlier, we'd rather develop the players. And I'm not talking about developing academy players that we've got no faith in. These are players that you know have come through a very good, strong academy system and the likes of Harry Winks is a quality player and he'll prove to be that. I don't really want us to go out and spend money on a Norwegian or... It's not even Norwegian anymore, is it? It's more mainly Spain and French player that could come in and really not do and the And the thing that job. surprised me is that there's been... Abs- uh, unless I've been not been tuned in properly, there's been very little noise about Kane, Deli Ali leaving. There was we- a bit about Ali for, for a they while. Try, they try away. a new player every week, don't they? Sort hey, of there's try a big on. noise about Kane to United last last transfer window. I've heard and very this, little. At the beginning of... At the end of this season... Yeah. It's definite on Eric Dyer was definitely going. Well, Dyer was the oh, one. Dyer's the, the one. There yeah. was the biggest links on Dyer. Dyer looked looked like for a for a few weeks it could be a genuine runner and rider. That you know, taking that money anyway. Well, he's in a strange situation, Dyer. Where, for instance, he's you know he looks like he's neither first choice holding midfielder nor first, first choice centre half. But he'll get you know of, of thirty eight league games if he stays fit, he'll get thirty two starts. He's a squad player in. that you want when you're in Europe, probably. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's a great he's, number twelve. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's a he's a player that will Pochettino will always find Wanyama and Dyer. You'll get them on the pitch. That's his two favourite players. His go-to players when he needs a result and he needs discipline and people to play where he wants them to play. These are the guys that he'll always call upon. And you mentioned there, Winks. Is there, is, are there another two or three players you'd expect to see kick on? Yeah, I'm expecting Winks to come in. I'm, I'm expecting Josh Anoma to, to step up. Um, Josh just won the Under-20s World Cup um, with England. Um, tournament that's never really got any coverage until we won it. But, you know... He's, he's, he's kind of always been there or thereabouts to be the kind of next one to step up. We've got young Carl Walker-Peters, which is really funny that you sell a player called Carl Walker and you have a player called Carl Walker-Peters that plays in exactly the same uh, position. Very bizarre. I mean, that's continuity, isn't it? That's, that's what know. you call continuity. Yeah. But, you know... To like Alvin sum- Ronaldo and Ronaldinho. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But to sum it up, look, I'm not saying we're going to go out and win the title next year, but... The last two seasons have given me confidence enough in our manager and in the structure. The fact we're moving to a new stadium this time next year is 
you know, every time I go back to London and I go to Tottenham to see my mum, I see that stadium developing. You know, how can you not... Why are people saying on the radio that Tottenham have got no ambition and why is Kane staying at Tottenham because they've got no ambition? For God's sake, what more do we need to do to show that we're, we've got ambition? And if you are Kane, you know, to talk about that sort of stuff, for all the the, 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 the fact that you can do jokes around, he's one of, one of our own. If you're Harry Kane, you want to play at that ground. If you're Dali Ali, you would probably want to play at that ground. You actually want to get the experience of, you know, if you've come this far with the club, you probably you've got a big milestone there. You would probably want at least one season play at, at least. that ground. And I if mean, you're Pochettino, you want to manage at that ground as well. Exactly, and I think you've made a really good point there, Charlotte. Because I was just about to come to that. It, all of this would be irrelevant if we didn't have the manager that we've got in place. He's he's the one. He's the catalyst, and I think that if Pochettino, you know, was to say I'm leaving tomorrow then we'd probably lose four or five of those said players yeah. before the end of this window. So I think that's really the catalyst for, for, for us moving forward. I'm sure you feel the same about Klopp. OK, uh, thank you very much indeed to Paul Tahaney for taking the time today. Uh, thank you very much to Charlotte and John as well. Uh, we've also been joined by Josh and by Stephen. Uh, that's been right the way through the Anfield Wrap this week on Radio City Talk. It's been, as ever, a real pleasure. Uh, been a fantastic time. Liverpool have a great weekend. See you in a bit. Sports Social Podcast Network.